what does that do for you, right? What what's the benefit of that? What does it feel like for you to have all this cash flow coming in? Uh, awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, again, like I said, I think cash flow is what sets you free because all of a sudden, you know, there's a certain amount coming in every month Mm -hmm. and now your opportunities are endless. You can live anywhere. You can spend your time any way you want. Mm -hmm. Like there are are no limits. Like I think Keith Cunningham actually says that being rich is having choices, right? Mm-hmm. And having quality choices. And I think that's what cash flow does for you. Rather than having huge net worth, but it's all tied up in the stock market or it's tied up in 401ks, like that is not paying you every month. So that doesn't support you living the lifestyle now. Are you interested in learning more about owning your own portfolio, cash flowing rentals? If so, we invite you to take our free mini course, The Crash Course in Cashflowing Rentals. When you take our mini course, you'll learn the strategies we use to build our portfolio. You'll also get to see several of our students featured who have successfully built their own portfolios as well. To take our crash course, link to semiretiredmd.com forward slash mini course, M-I-N-I dash C-O-U-R-S-E or visit our website at semiretiredmd.com and link to the crash course on cash flowing rentals there. You may also want to join a waitlist for our introductory course, Zero to Freedom Through Cash Flowing Rentals, while you're at our website too. We'll see you there. This episode is sponsored by our brand new course called Fast Fire Bookkeeping for Real Estate Investors. Do you have a pile of receipts and a bunch of statements that are stacking up in your office and the pile isn't getting any smaller? Are your rental properties getting you closer to financial freedom? Do you even know how your properties are performing? Well, the answer to your problem is doing your books the right way, and that's what our course is about. We'll teach you how to set up your books the right way, not just for tax time, but also so you can unlock the insights that will help you maximize your cash flow. For more information or to sign up, go to semiretiredmd.com forward slash fastfire bookkeeping. Welcome to the Doctors Building Wealth Podcast, a place where we talk about the strategies, habits, and mindset that separate wealthy docs from those who are not. We're your hosts, Leiti and Kenji. Today, we're really excited to discuss, should I invest for cash flow or should I invest for appreciation? Yeah, this is a question that we get a lot from our students. And I think it's a really good one. You know, there's a lot of allure to appreciation, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, but you know, what we focus on in our course is cash flow. So let's talk about this because it's a really important topic. First of all, let's talk about what we mean by cash flow, first of all, because I, I don't know that everybody listening to this understands what cash flow is. Yeah. So cash flow is really about putting money in your pocket every single month. And so what this is, is with our properties, when we buy them, we factor in all the expenses. This is property management. This is taxes. This is maintenance. This is everything. 
And what we want to have is a situation where we pay all of that, including the loan, the mortgage every month, and we still have money left over coming into our bank account that is actually forming that income that really ultimately sets you free, right? Because it's only once you can, you know, have, let's say 10,000 a month coming in in income that you no longer are tethered to working trading your time for money and working at a job anymore because now you have this monthly income, right? And it's it's much different than just having a bunch of money in a bank somewhere that you can't access. It's the monthly income is key. Yeah, I don't think people quite realize the difference between having that money come in every month and go into your bank account that you can access and use and do whatever you want with. I mean, ideally you're going to take that money and reinvest it, but if you wanted to live on it, if you had to live on it, uh, you could. And that's a very, very big difference than socking away money in your 401k, which you can't access, right? Or putting money in the stock market where it may not be a good time to sell your stock to liquidate money so that you can use it to pay for medical expenses or put food on the table or pay for rent. And I don't think people quite realize how great that cash flow is and how much of a difference it makes in your life when you have that money coming in and when it's a significant amount. Imagine having. 20,000 a month coming in in cash flow would that make a difference in your life it would it would make a difference for anybody and so again I wanted to make sure that people understood that cash flow you know I think I say cash is king and that's that's why it is it's king because it pays for your expenses your day-to-day expenses that you need to live so that's great so that's great that's cash flow yeah and and the key is a lot of investors don't buy for cash flow right what mm-hmm. they what they do is they buy a property that actually takes money out of their pocket every mm-hmm. single month. So it's a negative or or neutral cash flowing property. So let's talk about how they're investing. Yeah, so they're typically investing for appreciation, right? And what they're doing is let's say they're buying something in a really really nice neighborhood. Uh, we call them, uh, let's say, A neighborhoods or maybe B plus neighborhoods. And they just see the property values going up and they go, you know, I, I want to I ride that wave. And so they go out and buy like a, a condo or a house in these markets. And they don't really look at the numbers or pay attention to the numbers, the, the cash flow numbers. They rent them out. And when it comes to all the expenses, after all the expenses, they find out that they're either neutral or negative, right? So money's coming out of their account every month, and they're just sitting back hoping that the property appreciates. Right. And and the scary thing about that is actually with cash flow, you can control it. Um, you can buy the property right. You can make sure that you know, you're making it a very desirable property. You can maximize rents. But when you're betting on appreciation, you have no control over it. Market appreciation either happens or it doesn't happen. You can't control that. That's right. So now let's shift. Kenji has played market appreciation. And so maybe he can talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. So uh, I played the market appreciation game for a long time. I actually started investing in 2001. Uh, My first property actually was a cash flowing property. You might be uh, surprised to know. But after that, uh, I started to play the appreciation game. Um, I bought some uh, expensive condos in Atlanta. I bought uh, some uh, land uh, raw land in Florida. These were, you know, either waterfront lots or lots in these communities, these waterfront communities. 
They weren't necessarily all waterfront, but they were just lots, vacant land that were just appreciating at a really rapid rate. Then I also bought uh, some expensive condos and I did this for many, many, many years. And then I got caught in the 2008 downturn. And if you've ever been through a downturn, you're going to understand what I went through. Uh, But for those who have not been through a downturn yet, what tends to happen in a downturn is that in these uh, A-class properties or B-plus or B, even the even the high, you know, the high Bs, these nicer neighborhoods, what happens is that prices actually tend to stagnate or they actually will go down in value. Uh, and again, even in these great neighborhoods that you're sitting there like, oh, this market's always going to appreciate. I've heard that time and time again. We have this, everywhere. This market's always going to appreciate. It never, it never goes down, right? But these are the people who haven't been through different downturns. And that's not the reality at all. I mean, I had a really, really nice condo in Seattle right next to Amazon. You, everybody knows how what, what was happening with Amazon right ne- next to the Gates Foundation. It was a great area. But for a period of about five or six years, that property just stagnated in value. And I literally was just waiting. I waited and waited and waited and it just never appreciated, uh, even though it was in such a hot area. And so that's what it feels like when you buy a property and it doesn't appreciate. You're just sitting around waiting for it to happen. And in the meantime, you're bleeding money. That's right. In the meantime, let let me tell you how this feels, right? So in the meantime, I had all this land right? I had all this, uh, you know, all these expensive condos. Uh, I had money going out the door every month because the rental income I was getting from the condos did not pay for even the, you know, the mortgage, the property taxes, the homeowners dues, which are really expensive. The land obviously wasn't producing any income at all. So you can imagine I was in a very, very kind of negative cash flow situation. And if you want to know what that feels like, what that feels like is like basically somebody every month giving you, you know, a $15,000 bill and saying, okay, you need to go to work in order to pay for this, right? And so I was a slave to those properties. It wasn't the other way around where those properties were helping me. Those properties weren't supporting me, right? Instead, I was supporting those properties. I think Keith Cunningham says, raw land eats you know, three meals a day. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was paying three meals a day for these properties and it was really, really painful. I did this for several years, working you know, 24 shifts out of every month just to pay for the mortgages. Uh, and that's what it feels like if you want to know what it feels like. And so- And the, and the most awful thing, like just listening to this, I mean, besides the stress and the like, having to do this, right? You lose your choice. You lose your options because if you're going to sell these properties, you're going to take them as a huge, huge loss is knowing also that every shift you're doing, like, you are now increasing your income, you're getting yourself into a higher and higher tax bracket too. Mm -hmm. And then you still have to pay all these expenses. So it's just, it's brutal. Each shift you work is worth less than the last one. Yeah, it's true. It's like just thinking about the fact that every shift that I did and all the all the money that I was paying into it, I was not increasing my net worth. I was just basically paying to keep these properties afloat. Now, okay, if, if there was a great market appreciation, then yeah, sure, the the equation would have flipped some, but it was still, uh, for me, what happened was, yeah, the properties didn't appreciate very much. Actually, the land depreciated in value significantly and sold a lot of those for a loss. Huge um, losses. Huge, huge losses. Like and then, 13, 12, 13 years later, we sold them for yeah, huge losses. Yeah. So I held on to these properties for 13 to 15 years. So just to give you a sense of what that feels like to pay those mortgages for 13 to 15 years. So 
again. And and what happens if you would have gotten sick? That's the other thing. Right. Like you can imagine, I mean, I'm sure you had disability insurance, but disability insurance isn't going to pay you 20 or $30,000 worth of, you know, mortgages every month. So yeah. yeah. I mean, I, and I knew people who invested and did kind of similar strategy as I was doing and they just declared bankruptcy. I mean, they were just like early on, they were just like, I'm just going to declare bankruptcy. And that was it. Or they, they aggressively negotiated with the banks. I did some of that. Actually, I, I negotiated with the banks to uh, try to, uh, I mean, uh, ultimately I paid every penny that I owed them, but I, I played some hardball here and there to try to get you know some better terms because what they were doing around the time of the downturn was they were turning around and actually uh, one of what a couple of my loans were expiring and so they were basically saying no you you have to pay the full amount the big balloon payment which I obviously didn't have uh, and so that's when I played hardball and I said okay I'm just not going to pay anymore and then they came around and said okay we'll give you a payment plan right over the next 2 years you have to pay this $150,000 loan off right mm-hmm. That's what it feels like, guys. So I just wanted to make sure you understand. Yeah. And the reason we're telling you this is most all investors are actually doing this. It's right. it's really, really scary because we see it all the time in people who are coming to buy properties from us. They're overpaying. The properties are not going to cash flow. They're buying a liability is what we see. And they're willing to do it. And they still think they're investing. And we've seen our students also get into this trap that they that they say, well, Austin always appreciates and is really scary for us to have known the pain that Kenji went through for so many, so many years, you know, buying liabilities and not assets and wanting that to not happen to any of our students and trying to save them from that pain of of being in that situation, because it'll set you back years and years and years and potentially even burn you out of investing in general. And then you're stuck for the rest of your life, like never thinking beyond, I'm just going to work full time for until I'm 65. And that's it. Yeah, but I did want to point out that right. if you've heard a prior episode about uh, using a structured approach to thinking through these problems, you know, ultimately, there may be an investment out there that could work in terms of the, the appreciation side of things, right? Again, you just have to think about what are the upsides and think about the downsides, right? And you may be in a situation where you have a lot of cash flow coming in. And you can make a couple of these bets, right? Uh, Tony Robbins calls these asymmetric risk reward opportunities where you have a small subset of your portfolio going after these higher risk opportunities because you're going for that home home run return, right? right. Uh, these are the things that return, you know, a thousand X, right? And all of a sudden, you know, your net worth shoots up when it hits, right? And so, of course, most of those bets are not going to work out, right? right? But if one of those hits, then you know you're you just get to another level in terms of your net worth that it would have taken a long time for you to build up to. Uh, so therefore, I did want to point out that one of the things that we feel very strongly about is that we don't come here and say don't do this or don't do that. Right? It's really about thinking about where you are in your investing, thinking about what works for you, thinking about the upsides and the downsides, and and, and whether apply- or not you can live with the downsides. Right? right? If you do put a hundred thousand into Bitcoin and it turns into nothing. Like, can you live with that? Yes Mm -hmm. or no. And you may be able to say, yeah, easily, because I have so many, you know, cash flowing long-term rentals that are bringing me in a million dollars a year, like a hundred thousand in Bitcoin, like it could turn into 10 million. That'd be awesome. If I lose it, it's not a big deal. So you're absolutely right. It's very specific to your situation. But why you got into trouble is every single thing was an appreciation play, right? You didn't didn't have any like strong basis of cash flow coming Mm -hmm. in. All you had was working. 
right? And that was the only thing you could leverage up and down. Yeah, working um, working was my income, my cash flow. That's it. Yeah. And then you had concentration risk. You went right. and bought, you know, like five or ten properties in Florida. You went and bought several condos in Seattle. Like you concentrated your risk on these high appreciation plays that you hoped were going to work out and mm -hmm. they didn't. Yeah, it was it's, it was excessive optimism. It was thinking about just the upside, but not thinking about the downside. Mm -hmm. uh, and what's funny actually though, is that I did think about some of the downsides. I just didn't act quickly enough to change my portfolio because what, what ended up happening was that I was investing with a friend and, and he kept going. He kept, you know, he just kept digging a bigger and bigger hole for himself. And I stopped, I scaled back and I started yeah, but switching. You, you should have thought about the upsides, downsides, mm -hmm. and, you know, can you live with the downsides from the very beginning? From the get-go, right? for sure. For yeah. sure. Yeah. For me, it was a little bit, little bit too little, too late. And yeah, you're right. I didn't think about the structured thought process from the beginning. I should have done that from my very first investment. This week's podcast is sponsored by our course, Zero to Freedom Through Cashflowing Rentals. Zero to Freedom Through Cashflowing Rentals is a 10-week online course focused on helping physicians and high-income earners go from knowing little to nothing about real estate investing to confidently buying the cashflowing rentals will allow them to achieve financial freedom and work in medicine or their day jobs on their own terms. Our course is only open to registration twice a year, so be sure to get on the waitlist at semiretiredmd.com and check out the course details on our course landing page. This episode is brought to you by Dan Peck of Caliber Home Loans. If you're an experienced investor, you'll know just how important it is to have a lender who knows how to work with investors. Now, we've been working with Dan and his team for over five years now, and he's our go-to whenever we need a residential loan for our investment properties. Now, if you're new to investing, you might not know this, but your lender can sometimes be the difference between getting a great deal or completely missing out on it because your lender couldn't close a deal. Now, I did want to point out that Dan can help you not only with your investment properties, but also if you're looking to buy a primary residence or a vacation home. So the next time you're looking for a residential lender, be sure to email Dan at semiretiredmd at caliberhomeloans.com to get a free consultation. Let's now switch over to uh, our favorite topic, which would be cash flow, right? Now, well, maybe not our favorite topic, mm -hmm. but a, a topic that we really enjoy. And, and really, you know, if you guys wonder, well, why do we call our course Zero, Zero to Freedom through cash flowing rentals? It's because we believe in cash flow mm -hmm. so much, right? And you know, I, I just want to kind of point out in this segment just, just to talk about what it feels like to have a good solid base of cash flow coming in, right? What does that do for you, right? What what's the benefit of that? What does it feel like for you to have all this cash flow coming in? Uh awesome. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I again, like I said, I think cash flow is what sets you free because all of a sudden you know there's a certain amount coming in every month. Mm -hmm. And now your opportunities are endless. You can live anywhere. You can spend your time any way you want. Mm -hmm. Like there are no limits. Like I think Keith Cunningham actually says that being rich is having choices, mm -hmm. right? And having quality choices. And I think that's what cash flow does for you. Rather than having huge net worth, but it's all tied up in the stock market or it's tied up in 401ks, like that is not paying you every month. So that doesn't support you living the lifestyle now. So 
I don't know. That it's pretty feel, awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean it, it feels good. And we're not, you know, we're not saying this to kind of boast or brag about it. It's it's mostly just to kind of for, so, so people understand the difference between the pain of betting on market appreciation and having to work for your properties, right? That's what I went through to now changing that situation to, you know, I mean, we literally flipped that formula around from a negative cash flow to a very, very positive cash flow situation. And I just wanted to more contrast the feeling of, of the two situations being night and day and feels like it's like life and life on the beach with a pina colada versus, you know, having to go in and, and work 24 days out of every month. Right. Robert Kiyosaki says, have your money work for you. So that's exactly what we did. You were working for your properties and now our properties work for us Mm -hmm. actually. That's right. That's a big difference. Yeah. And, And the other thing I want to kind of talk about cash flow is that you know, the other thing that cash flow gives you an opportunity is it really helps mitigate some of that risk in the downside, right? Is that the more cash flow you have, the more you're going to be able to weather issues with your properties. So you might have unexpected repairs. And we've had a number of those over the mm-hmm. last several years. And it was kind of like, well, you know, no big deal for us. I mean, we were just like, yeah, we have the cash flow to take care of it. And the other benefit is that, you know, we have real estate professional status. So when we, whenever we had a repair, we'd just be like, well, okay, it just adds additional, you know, expenses uh, so that uh, it'll minimize our taxes, right? Uh, and so we had, you know, turning it into a cash flow situation really just kind of turned even that situation around. It mit- mitigates the risk of unexpected repairs and vacancy and takes away a lot of that stress too, uh, that something might happen with our properties. And so one of the things we're always doing is really trying to increase that cash flow for every single one of our properties, right? We don't just get cash flow from one of our properties and stop and we stop thinking about that property. We're always thinking about how can we increase the cash flow from our property. Yeah, I mean, the cash flow allows us to get through disasters, let's say, with one of our properties, Mm -hmm. but it also allows us to take now those risks like we are, you know, trying a development project, buying a short term rental that we know doesn't work as a long term rental. Right. That's a that's an additional risk that we're taking on Mm -hmm. and we're willing to accept that risk Um, and then doing asymmetric risk rewards. You know, we invested in um, like a startup Mm -hmm. um, and that's not something we would have done when we first started out. Right. It didn't make any sense. We didn't have enough buffer for us, we didn't feel like we had enough financial wealth accumulated and cash flow to be able to handle all those things. And now we're in a different place and we can take more risks. Yeah, we we only did that, those types of kind of risks, to, took those types of risks when, you know, we felt comfortable, we had enough cash flow to cover it. So, well, then let's talk about now, like how we kind of approach this question, you know, should I invest for cash flow or appreciation? And what we would say is that we actually invest in both, but the difference is that we're not talking about market appreciation anymore. We're talking about forced appreciation. And so what we do is, you know, we focus on cash flowing properties. That's the absolute, that's the foundation. Pretty much any, almost anything we buy, you know, unless we're at a point where we're taking an actual risk, right? A, a known risk. Otherwise, all our properties are cash flowing and cash flowing really well. That's what we're investing in. But then what we're doing is we're also forcing the appreciation on those properties. So we get the benefit of both. Yeah. So let's talk about the difference between forced appreciation and market appreciation. So market appreciation is usually the only way people think of appreciation. And that is, oh, if all the properties in this block go up in value, my property is going to go up in value too. So again, it's completely out of your control and it happens kind of randomly. I mean, certainly you can say, you know what, I think this neighborhood's going to go up over time. So I'm going to invest in this neighborhood. So there's a little bit of prediction there, 
but is it 100%? No. I mean, you do not have control over market appreciation. Forced appreciation is actually when you force the value of your property. And with investment properties, you can do this because investors value investment properties based on their income and their expenses and the net operating income. So how well is this property performing? How much money is it going to make me? Because if you think of a of each property as its own business, it's like, how much is this business pumping out in cash flow every month, right? That's that's the broad kind of overview of it. So if you can pump out more cash flow, then the net it's worth more to the next investor. And so every time you make changes in your property's functioning to pump out more cash flow, you've now forced appreciation, made it more valuable when you take it to another investor to sell. All right. Well, that's great. Well, that concludes uh, this episode. Uh, If you like this episode, uh, be sure to hit subscribe uh, and also give us a five-star review uh, and uh, we'll see you in the next episode. The Doctors Building Wealth podcast provides information only and does not provide any financial, legal, tax, medical, or psychological services or advice. You are responsible for your own financial, physical, mental, and emotional well-being, decisions, choices, actions, and results. You should contact a professional if you have any specific questions about your unique situation.